1: And it's a new week, everybody. We're getting closer to the NFL Draft next Thursday. Matt Derry with you. Locked on Lions on the Locked On Podcast and Network on this Monday, April 19th and a Tuesday, April 20th. We got a huge week of shows coming up for you, including today. What about Panay Sewell? Is this going to happen? Is it Panay or Pene Sewell? Regardless, the number one offensive lineman in this class Will he be there at number seven? We are going to dissect this today with the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Dan Horde. I will explain coming up on the program momentarily. First, we are sponsored today by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Follow us on Twitter, at Derry D-E-R-Y Speaks, at LockedOnLions on Twitter, and the Matt Derry Facebook fan page as well. Do not forget, you must listen. You must listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. Starting today, this thing is humming. This is an unbelievable podcast series. Uh, just type it in, uh, Ultimate Mock Draft 2021, wherever you get your podcasts. The first five picks today, my pick for the Lions at number seven tomorrow. And, you know, here we are. We're going to talk to Dan Horde in a second. But all of the talk now surrounding number seven for the Lions, a lot of it is they're starting to get some juice. They're starting to become some serious discussions about Penny Sewell, the big tackle from Oregon, being the Lions selection at number seven. Except there's a minor problem. In Cincinnati, okay, they're talking about Sewell. All of the mock drafts, all of the prognosticators really feel like when you get to five, the Bengals could hold the key to what the Lions are going to do. There could be four quarterbacks taken in the first four picks with Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, uh, uh, the kid from BYU at number two, um, um, to the Jets, either Justin Fields or Mac Jones at three, would Trey Lance go for to the Falcons or Fields for whatever? All right. This has been discussed. Then you get to five. And the first thing I read this morning about the draft came from um, Peter King's Football Morning in America column at ProFootballTalk.com. And he wrote this morning at number five, Cincinnati How the Bengals don't take Oregon tackle Penny is beyond me. This is Peter King talking, especially because this draft is filthy rich in receivers, as with every recent draft. But I also hear the drumbeat is loud for Jamar Chase, who made such beautiful music with Joe Burrow in 2019 at LSU. Clearly, I'd vote for the Joe Burrow preservation plan and start this draft tackle at 5, guard at 38. Burrow's good enough if he has time to win with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and a lesser third option. Rondale Moore? Question mark. End quote. That is from Peter King. Yesterday, I was driving home from dropping off my daughter, and I was listening to the big one, WLW AM seven hundred out of Cincinnati. I was listening actually to hear a little Tribe Reds post game and hear what they had to say about the Shane Bieber masterpiece. But I digress. Hosting the Sunday Reds post game show was Dan Horde, the voice of the Bengals, and a guy that I've known for over 20 years with our Syracuse ties. Dan was a former WAR guy like me at Syracuse, and he was a TV anchor up at the Cuse when I was a student there. And Dan does a great job on play-by-play, calling games for the Bengals and the UC Bearcats football and basketball. It's a great gig for Dan, and he's excellent. So Dan gets on there yesterday on 700 AM and starts uh, uh, drumming the beat, pounding the drum for Panay Sewell, saying, no, 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 we can get a receiver later. you got to take Sewell. And we're going to have Dan on the show coming up. So it has me thinking, like, what happens if four quarterbacks go in the first four picks or three quarterbacks, Kyle Pitts, Panay Sewell, and Jamar Chase goes six to Miami? Because as Peter King writes today, Quote, the football world is sure GM Chris Greer of the Dolphins wants to come out of round one with a major weapon, Pitts or Chase perhaps. So what would that leave Detroit at seven if there was no Sewell, no Chase, no Pitts? Are are they really going to take Justin Fields if he's there? I've been telling you guys for weeks and months, I don't think they're taking Trey Lance there. And so then you're left with... I'm not saying you're left with scraps. There's going to be good players there. You could take Rayshon Slater, uh, the big tackle. You could take the second-best wide receiver on your board, whether it's Waddle or Devontae Smith. I guess you could take Micah Parsons, but I don't think the Lions are taking a linebacker. At number seven. So then you'd have to trade back, right? And whatever team, Denver at nine, Dallas... I don't think Dallas is taking a quarterback... Denver at 9, the Patriots at 15, the Redskins at 19, whoever it is, or excuse me, the Washington football team, if you're the Lions, you've got to trade back there. I always thought, eh, Sewell would be there at 7, but that doesn't sound like it here. I can't wait to ask Dan Horde what the Bengals are thinking. The Bengals today unveiled new uniforms, and so I'm going to find out if Dan talked to anybody down at Paul Brown Stadium today about where this is going. Because Joe Burrow wants Jamar Chase, his former target at LSU from two years ago. Aren't they going to give him what he wants? And then you'll have Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. That'd be pretty good. But don't you need a left tackle to protect Joe Burrow, who was sacked like 38 times last year before he got hurt? We're going to get into this next with Dan Hoard. I think if Sewell's there, you got to take him. If you're the Lions, then you've got your right tackle. But I don't know if he's going to be there. You should have heard Dan yesterday on the radio talking about how the Bengals have to take Sewell. We will talk to aforementioned voice of the Bengals. Coming up next, this episode today brought to you by 1010, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece They're the perfect way to bring light into her life, all right? And they're available now through Mother's Day only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10 This collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. Com. And hey, don't forget about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Plus, they got everything. You want to bet on Lions over under wins for 2021 right now? They came out today at betonline.ag based on 17 games. The Lions over under for wins, five and a half. You want to bet on it? Do it at betonline.ag. They get you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. All right, NBA action, MLB, NHL, you want to bet on it? Go to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you got to do is put the promo code in. That's Locked On L O C K E D O N. Locked On Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, our guest today here on Locked On Lions, we continue to talk draft. And you know what? We mentioned it before the break. At number five, the Cincinnati Bengals are in a very similar spot as the Lions. Many people in Detroit want that wide receiver. But what about the offensive line? Yesterday was listening on uh, WLW, the big one out of Cincinnati. I heard my good buddy Dan Hoard on the Reds postgame show. But Dan's also the voice of the Bengals, the voice of the Cincinnati Bearcats, and brought up Penny Sewell as his pick for Cincinnati at five. And Dan gives us a couple of minutes right now. What's up, sir?
0: Matt, I made a diatribe, according to uh, somebody that called in immediately after my plea for the Bengals to select Panay Sewell. I don't know if you would describe it the same way, but I certainly <laughs> I certainly poured all of my passion into trying to make the case that the Bengals should take the Oregon tackle with the fifth overall pick.
1: But this wasn't just some rant, Dan. You had, like, research. You talked to Mario Cristobal, his head coach at Oregon. You had some legitimate, uh, legitimate backup there, brother.
0: Thank you, and I'm glad you mentioned that conversation with the Oregon head coach because I will quickly explain what impressed me so much from that conversation. Mario Cristobal played at the University of Miami when they were a powerhouse back in the day. He was an offensive lineman on the national championship team in 1991, so he played with guys like Gino Toretta and Russell Maryland, who was the first pick in the draft, and Cortez Kennedy, who's in the Hall of Fame. Then he becomes a coach, spent four years at Alabama, working for Nick Saban, and the players during those years were Derrick Henry and Marlon Humphrey, Amari Cooper, etc. Now he becomes the head coach at Oregon. He was Justin Herbert's head coach two years ago, the uh, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. So that is a who's who of college football talent. And Mario Cristobal told me that the most impressive overall player he has ever been around is Panay Sewell. And sure, that's the head coach talking a couple of weeks before the draft, but nonetheless that statement said a lot to me
1: you know you look at it and you say all right why wouldn't the Bengals? you're right rush the card up at five to protect joe burrow but again there's that x factor of Burrow's best receiver a couple years ago at lsu is sitting right there probably at five and jamar chase that's got to be a tough call
0: yeah, and it's a combination. Not only do you have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow having that familiarity and chemistry already built in from the record-setting season two years ago, but everybody seems to think that this is a deep offensive line draft. So the Bengals signed Riley Reef. They've taken care of right tackle, at least in the short term. It was only a one-year deal. They have Jonah Williams at left tackle, who was the 11th pick in the draft three years ago. So it's, it's less of a pressing need than it was. And the thought being, well, it's a deep offensive line draft. You can take chase in round one. You'll at least get a good, maybe not great, offensive lineman in round two. And, you know, at at points I can kind of be swayed by that argument, but I still keep coming back to let's get the best one. Let's not take a guy that we think will be competent or can be a starter. I want the guy that, to me at least, when I study him on YouTube, looks like potentially a generational offensive lineman.
1: Dan Horde, voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, with us here on Locked On Lions. Bengals, again, will will pick fifth. How many mock drafts, Dan, have you looked over? And what's kind of the the buzz in Cincinnati about what they think will be there at five?
0: I look at like ten mock drafts a day because I can't help myself. Uh, You know, whether they're credible or not, I just find myself drawn to everyone that pops up on Twitter. So it's an incredible waste of my time. (laughs) But the buzz right now in Cincinnati, quite frankly, is that most people seem to think that the Bengals are going to take Jamar Chase rather than Panay Sewell. The Bengals unveiled new uniforms on Monday morning. They had a big to-do at Paul Brown Stadium. So I was there and, and talking to some people from the organization, and I was told that the decision has not been made. But based on the conversations that I had, I got the vibe that it's a Jamar Chase lean. So a lot can change between now and a week from Thursday. But that was the vibe that I got from being around some people in the building this morning.
1: That's interesting. I mean, do you think, and you got to know Joe Burrow last year, obviously calling his games. And I know it was a different set of circumstances and you couldn't be around players as as much due to COVID. But, I mean, do you get a sense that Burrow's like, oh man, they got to give me my guy or... <laughs> Barrel got knocked around a lot last year. I heard you mention uh, uh, your friend or your neighbor. I think you said on the air yesterday that stop watching the games once Barrow hit the was carted off the field
0: that's correct midway through the 10th game of the season my neighbor Dave shut the TV off and did not he claims he did not watch another Bengals uh, snap for the rest of the season because he was so heartbroken for Joe Burrow uh, I don't get the sense that Joe Burrow is banging his shoe on the table and saying I want Jamar Chase get me another weapon that doesn't really fit his personality to tell you the truth now I have no doubt that that Duke Tobin and the scouting staff went to Joe Burrow to pick his brain about Jamar Chase. You'd be idiots not to, and I'm sure he gave them a, a rave review. How could you not? He had 84 catches, 20 for touchdowns, and more than 1,700 receiving yards uh, two years ago. But that's very different from saying, I want Jamar Chase. That's not his personality. I'm sure he would be perfectly happy if Pane Pena- Sewell is the pick. Uh, we'll see.
1: Dan Hord with us, voice of the Bengals. I, I love this. The, the, you know, the, it's the same thing here in Detroit. Uh, obviously, the Lions are in a, a full fledged rebuild now, and this is year one of it, as opposed to the Bengals. But you know, the, this idea of well, you, picking a receiver at seven, you can get one in the second and third round. And there's been you look at so many receivers around the league that are really really good that weren't first rounders. But you know, Sewell, it's tough to pass up on. And the more I'm, I'm thinking about it, Dan. And, and, and and I've talked about it every day on this show. I'm with you. I just think that the Lions need a right tackle. He could start on the right side and eventually take over for Taylor Decker maybe in a few years. But you put him there, you leave him there, and he's so solid.
0: I'll say something else about it, too, because I've talked to a lot of former players, both Bengals and players that played for other teams, and almost to a man. They say the Bengals should take Panay Sewell. Then when I talk to fellow media members or analytics types, uh, they tend to go for Jamar Chase. So who do you trust? Do you trust the guys that were in the ch- trenches and have a real feel for what it takes to be a championship team? Or do you trust people like us who look at stats and watch highlights <laughs> and get excited by the flash instead of the foundation? So I-, I trust the former players. If they say Panay Sewell should be the guy, I say Panay Shul- Sewell should be the guy.
1: By the way, and I just realized this as, as you're talking, You're in a division with Miles Garrett and T.J. Watt. This is like a (laughs) no-brainer.
0: Not to mention the Ravens and all of the ways that they find to get to the quarterback. Yeah, it is a very difficult division to protect your quarterback in, and that's always going to be the case. As long as you have Pittsburgh, the team that has the longest streak in NFL history of games with at least one sack, the Ravens, who blitz on every snap, and the Browns, who added to Clowney, to go with Miles Garrett, uh, protection has to be emphasized. So uh, that's another reason why I want Panay Sewell. I'm not positive that that's the way the Bengals are going to go. I do think if they take Chase or maybe even Kyle Pitts in round one, they would almost certainly go for an offensive lineman with a sixth pick in round two. It's going to be very interesting to see the way it plays out.
1: Couple more questions for Dan Horde, voice of the Bengals. We'll do that uh, coming up next. First, tell you about Built Bar, the most delicious uh, and best tasting protein bar ever. Folks, I eat them every day. Right here is my wrapper from today's cookies and cream bar. They are unbelievable. Eighteen flavors, six new flavors, including the cookies and cream, and they are really fantastic. Plus, the great thing about Built Bar is, folks, they're healthy and easy to chew. Soft bars are covered in 100% chocolate. You're not killing yourself with the calories. I mean, heck, this cookies and cream bar today that I had was only 130 calories, yet 17 grams of protein. Go to BiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off with our friends at com. All right, he's the voice of the Bengals, Dan Horde, longtime voice of the Cincinnati Bengals and the UC Bearcats, joining us today. And we're talking a lot about uh, what Cincinnati does at five with Sewell and Jamar Chase. Dan, you mentioned before Kyle Pitts. If someone moves up and takes QB at four, makes a move with the Falcons, or Atlanta wants to go Trey Lance or Fields or whoever is there at four, obviously uh, Kyle Pitts comes into play. What have you heard about the Bengals' interest in him? And, you know, there's nobody here in Detroit, including me, that thinks Pitts would be there at seven for the Lions
0: be surprised if they decide to draft a target that they go for Pitts instead of chase chase just makes too much sense for one thing the Bengals are in three wides more than any other team in the nfl that is zach taylor's offensive profile they really need a speed guy more than anything else they might have the best slot receiver in the nfl in tyler boyd T. Higgins on the outside had a tremendous rookie year. He's blossoming into a star. But neither of those guys is a blazer. They need somebody that can take the top off the defense, make the safeties, respect that deep threat. And while Kyle Pitts has incredible speed, uh, he's not Jamar Chase in that respect and doesn't already have that chemistry on the deep ball that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase do. So if they take a target instead of Panay Sewell, I think that target will be Jamar Chase.
1: Obviously, um, you know I I I don't see that you don't see any scenarios where the Bengals trade back, do you?
0: Not anymore. I think it might have been realistic if Carolina at number eight had thought about trading up for a quarterback. But once they got Sam Darnold, uh, I think that that is no longer a possibility for the Bengals. I don't think they want to drop to nine. I suppose theoretically Denver could be in the mix for a quarterback and want to move up. But if you do that. Now you run the risk of not getting Sewell, Chase, or Pitts, and I don't want. I don't think the Bengals want to uh, incur that risk.
1: You mentioned Zach Taylor and sort of the starting over It was interesting with the Lions because Marvin Lewis's name came up as a possible head coach. Uh, did interview here, um, and, and they went with Dan Campbell and I know you and everybody else around the country saw the Campbell press conference, and it, it raised some eyebrows for sure. But you know when, when you. Give a sense of where the Bengals are and where you see Detroit and how, you know, gosh, doing a rebuild in that division that the Bengals are in and kind of starting over, that's tough.
0: It is tough. I think if you, you know, base the toughest division over a long period of time, the AFC North is going to come out on top. You know, others pop up for a few years, the AFC West or the the NFC South, whatever. But I think over the course of a decade, the Ravens are always going to be good. The Steelers are always going to be good. And then the Bengals and the Browns have their moments. So it is very tough to get it rolling. And Zach Taylor's had a tough time in his first two seasons. Two wins in year one, four wins in year two. He's got to do a lot better than that in year three in order for there to be a year four. Uh, But he's got a foundation with Joe Burrow certainly that's the starting point and the Bengals have spent a ton of money in free agency on their defense and I think they are bound to be much better on that side of the ball this year as for Dan Campbell and the Lions I honestly was impressed with his short stint as the interim head coach in Miami and Zach Taylor was his offensive coordinator I know Zach uh, thinks highly of him so I'll be uh, interested to see how long it takes Dan Campbell to get the uh, Lions into position to contend again
1: I said I said on the on this show uh, months ago, maybe weeks ago we were going over going over the schedule and I said, "Look, that Bengals game is no gimme, not with Burrow." And people are like, "Oh, are you one of the, I mean, the Lions might win three or four games. One of them is going to be against Cincinnati." I don't I don't see that. I think you guys will be a lot better this year.
0: Well, you know, the Tennessee Titans were pretty good last year and they probably said that going into the Cincinnati game and they got their teeth kicked in. Uh, with Joe Burrow playing at his absolute best. So Joe Burrow's going to be a star. If they can protect him, uh, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I thought he was on his way to uh, being able to say that last year. So uh, I know the team has not been good. They've not been to the playoffs for the last five years, but I don't think it's going to take too much longer for uh, Joe Burrow to get him back into the postseason.
1: Final thing, you brought up Mario Cristobal earlier. Was he on the 92 team? Because you and I were at the Carrier Dome. I was a student. You were sports anchor I think at the time for the for the infamous uh, Chris Kedney 3 yards away from uh, beating the hurricanes game.
0: A painful memory. I don't think Mario Cristobal was part of that team. I think his final year was the national championship in 91. Yeah. I might be wrong about that, but I think he was 88 to 91.
1: That was some that that 92 game was unreal. Though when they brought the smoke machine Dan, to the dome and Sapp and Lamar Thomas run out, we're all students like all hyped up the, the That was scary stuff. They brought the smoke machine. Like We were like, "Uh uh-oh.
0: So I'll tell you something funny about that. It might have been the next year, maybe. It would have been the next year because it was a road game. So the next year, uh, they had the rematch at the Orange Bowl, the old old Orange Bowl in Miami. And I was working as the the sports director at the local CBS affiliate at the time. So we went down uh, to Miami to cover the game. And we actually did like a half hour or maybe even an hour-long special the night before the game because in Syracuse this was a big deal yeah they had almost knocked off the Hurricanes the year before now they're gonna go back there and and see if they can do it both teams are in the top 25 and the, I worked out of a local station the CBS station in Miami and on their 11 o'clock newscast that night the sportscaster showed a clip of me doing this special and mocked the fact that we thought it was a big deal Oh jeez! <laughs> In Syracuse, they actually showed a clip of me like blabbering uh, at their station and said, "Ah, this local yokel from Syracuse <laughs> thinks that their team has a chance." And as it turned out, he was one hundred percent right. They lost by like fifty points. Oh
1: my <laughs> gosh, we got our doors blown off. I think all four years I was there, ninety-one to ninety-four. I mean, it was uh, wasn't pretty. But that, well, the, obviously the second year, my sophomore year, that was that was the the, the graves to. Chris Gedney game where he was just short and uh, and Miami survived. Those were those are fun times in the Dome.
0: Yes, they were, and uh, great times in uh, Big East football when it still existed.
1: That's right, that's right. And Ben Paul Pasqualoni was here in Detroit for a little while as defensive coordinator, and kind of got run out, and people made fun of him. I said, you guys don't realize how good of a head coach he was, and how Syracuse football has never been, never been the same since Coach P left.
0: Yeah, I think his career winning percentage there was in the high seven. Yeah. So he did a a fantastic job, uh, but the uh, administration changed. The new AD wanted his uh, own guy at the first sign of slippage, and unfortunately for Paul, his career's never been the same since.
1: Great catching up, Dan. Uh, We'll see if uh, you get your wish and get Sewell at five, and if not, uh, he might be here in two picks, so we'll see about that. Thanks so much.
0: My pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me on.
1: Dan Horde with us, the voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, right here on Lockdown Lions on this Monday. Tony Pauline will join us tomorrow as we'll talk more about the Lions and what they do with this draft, and certainly number seven as we get closer, folks, uh, to draft day a week from Thursday. Talk again tomorrow.